0: Welcome, everyone, to the Marvel Movie Podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Eat my hammer.
1: The Marvel Movie Podcast by Fantastic Geek for Thor. Love and Thunder is brought to you by Infinity Cones. Now 50% off. Pete,
0: the box office News for Thor Love and Thunder uh, is in. In these United States, it brought in $143 million, uh, 29 of that in the the Thursday previews. Is it a good number? That is a very, very strong number, particularly as the box office continues to look at a a post-COVID scenario as Hollywood worries about, you know, are people in the routine of going to the movies and so forth? Uh, Is it... A knock-your-socks-off number. Uh, let me quote Box Office Mojo here: "Quote, if there's some bad news for the 29th uh, MCU film's overall box office prospects, it's word of mouth. Critics felt the film didn't live up to its predecessor, with its 68% Rotten Tomatoes score falling short of Ragnarok's 93%. Uh, similarly, Pete uh, Cinema Score, which is of uh, audience reaction, not critic reaction, gave it a B plus." Uh, it's only one of four MCUs to fall below the A range. So again, nothing wrong at all with 143 million dollars uh, in the U.S. and um, nothing wrong with it at all. Just why weren't the legs longer? Because um, I think people said that was a nice, that was a nice movie, and I had fun. Uh, and uh, one hundred and sixty million dollars international as well. So over three hundred million dollars after the weekend. So things are things are looking just fine.
1: Who would have figured Thor would be the first of the Avengers to get a fourth film? And on that and and these numbers here, I think still super healthy we'll talk later on thor will return is that in a solo movie is in a team-up effort still unknown at this point um but we'll look at this in its totality meanwhile matt finishing ms marvel up over on the ms marvel podcast by fantastic geek feed the finale will stream on wednesday you're probably going to want to be on top of that on wednesday we will podcast, however, moving from our Marvel Fridays. We've been doing for Ms. Marvel to a special Saturday.
0: Yeah, looking forward to whatever uh, Episode 6 brings. I know that over on the Ms. Marvel feed, we've uh, discussed certainly a variety of possibilities. Who can show up? Um, who who might knock our socks off? Does the show want to knock our socks off? Does it want to keep it more more kind of, Kamala Khan focused. Uh, We will know on Wednesday, and as you say, Pete, uh, smart money would be either stay off social media when you wake up on Wednesday uh, until you watch it, or watch it on Wednesday morning, then go on social media. But no complaints there. If you scroll through your Twitter feed uh, Wednesday at lunchtime, people go, "Oh my goodness, it was the X Men and the Fantastic Four and the Guardians (laughs) of the Galaxy." Now, uh, now that's spoiled for me. You know, you gotta watch before you chat.
1: You do. You do. You would think people would have figured this out by now. Speaking of watching and chatting, Matt, we have watched all of Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 1. We have podcast all of that first season, all 10 episodes. Uh, You may want to uh, be out and head of our Season 1 wrap. Get your feedback into us. Uh, We will be podcasting that. On Sunday, July seventeenth,
0: I can't wait to assume a Captain Pike position and look directly into the camera, which is non-existent in the visual or in the audio medium of podcasting. But look into the look into the camera with thunderous eyes uh, as we kind of wrap the season as a whole. It's going to be a lot of fun
1: when we catch you up on what went down, Matt. A Gore e opening with a gold-blooded god and the necrosword
0: yeah certainly in line with some other mcu films where we're not going to start with uh the funny we're not going to start with the chuckle we're not going to start with the inspiring we're going to start very grounded and somewhat out of left field Uh, i think the first time they did that was guardians of the galaxy where you say i'm ready for my fun chris pratt movie wait his mom just died and now i'm crying and they're starting the movie proper um similarly here i mean just great opening great visuals uh and the the central thrust of our villain it, it made very clear uh the the god uh not caring as to the plight of you know the most faithful we're all that's left and so forth and um great uh great impetus for gore the god butcher
1: both with christian Dale, um and though He's been a Batman of a generation and done the comic book stuff uh, to bring him into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then also with Natalie Portman, really needed to give them meaty parts and uh, Bale's role here. Matt, I had uh, comparisons of the beginning of Star Trek five with the. The bald guy on the planet of intergalactic peace and his secret pain uh, coming out of him felt a little bit like that. I mean, you have the daughter die. Here's a guy that's remained faithful to this god, Rappu, whose uh, followers are a joke to him. And, and, you know, though humorously presented, really tragic comedy when it comes across. And then to have this Necro sword, all right, it's a little bit of a, I mean, Deus Ex Machina with a a God right there. Um, You know, they had just, he had just killed whoever had the Necro sword. Um, But I think it's an effective setup for our villain. And what a
0: fascinating career Christian Bale has had uh, as a child actor working with only, you know, Steven Spielberg uh, and Kenneth Branagh and headlining Newsies for Disney and kind of just a- as wide a child acting uh, resume as one could get than in early adulthood, kind of, you know, hunky leading man type stuff, albeit with some, you know, twists and turns, American Psycho, obviously in his late 20s, early 30s, being Batman, being the leading man. then as has been observed, he gets to his 40s. And what does he decide to do? He decides to essentially not be a leading man anymore, but to be a character actor who disappears into his parts.
1: Yeah. And, you know, to transition out of the setup there and then to bring our protagonist in and do it through Korg as a mostly reliable narrator, to recap characters throughout the film for us, first Thor, then Jane, and then later an epilogue uh, with Gore's daughter, Love, who was played actually by Hensworth's daughter, India. Um,
0: Yeah, great use here of Korg. Um, I actually had wondered prior to Korg's, uh, shall we say, physical reduction in the plot, I had kind of wondered like, you know, how much of this is cause it's like Taiko Watiti is a funny guy and he's in a motion capture suit, so we need to bow down to that. Um I think Taiko Watiti figured out at a certain point. No, we don't need to bow down to that, hence what happens in due course. But here I think it's important, particularly since these Thor movies are all A chronologically spread out and B tonally different from each other. Um obviously these last two you know more similar but you know Pete, even for, for tried and true Marvel fans like you and me and our listeners, the recap there, I think, super useful. And then obviously you're throwing some hee and some ha-ha's along the way.
1: We knew obviously of Mighty Thor and then Valkyrie getting, you know, more of a role this time out. However, the thing they really sold you once they went into production having had um, Endgame come out, was that, all right, we're going to get some full-on Asgardians of the Galaxy action. They're not really in the film much, Uh, but supposedly Taika Waititi's first cut was over four hours long, and according to Portman, entire planets and sequences were cut.
0: I know that Taika Waititi has also said You know, you get six months after the shoot and you look at some of those things and you realize, you know, we spent a day or two yucking around on a blue screen stage. It was really funny to be there, but this is not good movie stuff. So he stands by the cuts that were made. He actually has spoken out in the last week, uh, spoken out against director's cuts as a concept, Mm -hmm. um, saying that they're too long and extravagant and, and so forth. So. Um, I think it's important for people to know that this movie, uh, at least as far as we know, this movie is, you know, is the only cut Taika Waititi wants out there. Now that said, Pete, in mm, I don't know forty-five or fifty days when this movie hits Disney Plus, you want to sit and say, "And here's a whole bunch of deleted scenes, some of which are really funny." Uh, I-, I will gladly watch that and crack up at it. Um, but Pete, I'm sorry, I-, I-, I lost my point here in that. I think you mentioned that there are Guardians of the Galaxy in this movie, but I, I quick turned away and took a sip of water. <laughs> and and um, honest question, Pete, are all of the Guardians of the Galaxy in this movie because they genuinely were there so fast and not all of them had, you know, speaky words and such? No,
1: they, they did. Gamora is not there, obviously, because that sets up the third film. They all did have speaking parts, believe it or not, but it it is quick. And that's where you've got to wonder, you know, will we see that other stuff? Um, They were there. Uh, Apparently, Chris Pratt was was on set for some time to be able to film this. And it really does make you wonder, you know, what else had they cooked up that they decided that Watiti, that Kevin Feige said, "Uh, I don't know if this fits the tone or the piece
0: I certainly stand by this movie being quite good um so I'm not saying like you know or, or how about this I will assume that every edit was an edit to improve it. it to me it's just wacky like I I was certain I was certainly expecting to get a whole supporting act of story with the Guardians of the Galaxy and instead, a handful of scenes and then they're going to split and some of the best scenes made it in, in, in preview and so forth which I don't know if that's fair or unfair to to count against the movie because uh, it's more count against the marketing and all of that but um, yeah they uh, Pete I look forward to seeing more of them in the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special this <laughs> December and, and maybe the holiday special will have more footage of them than in this movie
1: I think the film is better served by the montage aspect they took towards it. You know, when you see them introduced and, you know, it's, it's kind of a, you know, uh, outer space apocalypse. Now, you know, craglin has got some alien eel going up his nose and rockets in the water. You know, it's, it's effective enough to have them. And what does it do? It, it serves to, show all right uh thor got in shape he was hanging out with these guys and you know they're they're still doing their thing here they're helping a religious group take back their uh shrine it doesn't go to plan uh but what does it serve to do it gets us the goats uh
0: the goats are really funny when they first appear i mean obviously they're meant to be kind of that that delicate New Zealand sense of, I mean, they're not like inappropriate in terms of, you know, nudity or language, but it's just kind of like they're grading and that's what makes them funny. The notion that they would then pull the magic boat sleigh into the great beyond, you know, in the second half of the movie uh, was a nice use of them and a good bit of comedy. Certainly.
1: I love the noise. I love the, the jarring, <laughs> aspect of it, I find it hysterical every time I hear it. Um, to have Sif return uh, here with, you know, the, the film, much like Ragnarok, so inspired from particular comic images. And to give Sif the, the classic helmet with the red jewel there to have her return, well, most of her and uh, that, you know, comic panel behind her of Falagar, the behemoth, um, as she warns Thor about the threat of gore uh, towards new Asgard.
0: And I think that's the best use of her if you're just going to have her appear for a little bit in terms of um, with all this wacky out there stuff that is always going to be in a Thor movie and with the Taika Waititi tone with the narration by a big rock guy and all of that it takes a character like Sif to say all right serious face okay yes that's a big giant uh creature over there which you know Pete much digital ink has been spilled oh man they ripped it off directly from the comic yeah that's what happens when you work for Marvel or DC it's called uh work for hire and they own everything that you do Sorry that that's a really cool comic accurate moment that then got completely repurposed for the for the movie. That's how that works. Sorry that that you know the corporate the man has more power than the artist. That's them's the brakes. Um, but but here it takes Sif to really say this is serious. Hey everybody at home, this really really is serious. Pete, luckily you follow that up with something that's nice, nice and light and easy peasy, right?
1: Jane Foster dying of cancer. Um, You know, people who had followed the comics in a storyline in the middle of the last decade knew that Jane had gotten cancer and became Mighty Thor. Uh, But here it serves to not only bring her back. And I think that was really the impetus to interest uh, Portman in returning. Um, We get Darcy back. You know, after we had already gotten her back after a while in WandaVision. But she's only in the one scene. Okay. Um,
0: A welcome return. I think that, you know, though I think there's some mild structural issues that don't help this movie always. um, Darcy in one scene did not bother me for the story they want to tell. By the way, Pete, it's worth mentioning that the same calendar year. Let me back up a little bit. Marvel in the mid 2010s um, was getting good feedback with Carol Danvers Captain Marvel and wanted to explore. uh, You'll never guess this, Pete. If you have more of a diverse audience, or pardon me, more of a diverse product, do you keep getting more of a diverse audience that wants to buy your stuff? So it was the same calendar year that Ms. Marvel came out to ultra acclaim, uh, that the mysterious female, the mighty Thor, revealed in the comics a bit later to be Jane Foster uh, and Sam Wilson Captain America that all happened in the same year and Pete as you might imagine, there were some people you took away my Captain America, my Thor, my Ms Marvel um, and all of that but in addition to it being various levels of success in the comics, obviously Ms Marvel having been the most successful um, here we are in 2022 uh, who's Captain America? Sam Wilson, we have Jane Foster in this movie as Mighty Thor, obviously alongside uh Thor OG, uh and we have next week Ms Marvel wrapping up. So it's funny how the one thing was done for comics reasons and it grew the comics audience and now here it is uh you know impacting the the, the film end and and back and forth and back and
1: forth. I think the universe is better for having Jane return. It was fun to get her in the what if and to revisit it there. And actually they had been shot down uh, on an idea to do uh, Jane becoming Thor there because of this film. Um, But to build it around the story that while their uh, relationship was at its height and, and we fill in that gap that Thor whispered to his now destroyed hammer to protect her. And that becomes the secret backstory to how she becomes mighty Thor. I I think it really checks a lot of boxes and, um, you know, and and all falls within this believability. It does check a lot of boxes. It,
0: it was, it it was interesting to watch this movie After spending uh, five episodes of Ms. Marvel where I've said on that podcast, I'm less worried about the MCU, about hashtag it's all connected, about where are the Avengers, where's the Fantastic Four. I'm not concerned about any of that stuff because I'm so, uh, so jazzed by these characters and their relationships and all of that. Fast forward to this movie. It was interesting to be like, literally, we're going to fast forward through a montage scene to show you the breakup, and oh man, dying of cancer. Hey, don't forget, there's a couple cancer bits here before we now need to have that quick, pro, you know, propel us into her visiting Asgard and so forth. I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying that that's a negative for the movie. I'm just saying it's interesting to have spent MCU time where we really can slow down on the TV end, and then now here it is quick we haven't seen jane in when was thor 2 the better part of a decade ago um so we gotta do some
1: 2013
0: so like you know i oh fine we saw her in the deleted scene and you know in endgame and all that but um you know we kind of haven't had a jane update then so now now it's on this movie to quick get through a bunch of jane stuff because we also have a whole bunch of other scenes uh to worry about and pete we won't even talk about the scenes not included in the movie with Jeff Goldblum and Peter Dinklage. Yes. Editing can be a tough mistress, Pete, but Pete, wait, who's that? Boop, 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 boop on (laughs) Skype.
1: It's the recently name checked on, uh, Ms. Marvel, Eric Selvig.
0: Um, similarly, I'd rather have him show up a little bit than not at all. Uh, I guess the Skype connection, or not literally a Skype connection, I guess having him Skype in with a message versus on screen, if if that leads to narrative efficiency, so be it. You know, the notion that we get multiple Matt Damon scenes, but only one Eric Selvig scene. Again, I think there's something, th- there's something why for me, this is a B movie and not a B plus or an A minus. And there's, there's little things like that, where I think for people, with the cinema score, it's a B plus, and not an A. There's just some little corners pulling it back.
1: There are B movies, Matt, but there are A actors, particularly in the play within the movie here, and well known out ahead of this film. Not only would you get, you know, Matt Damon back as Loki, uh, the other Hemsworth that news the past couple days was the favorite to play Thor before Chris was. Um, and, of course, our uh, favorite, longtime favorite, Sam Neill, as Odin. But as inspired as Melissa McCarthy's role as Hela here to now tell the Ragnarok story.
0: It's a perfectly great scene in and of itself. And I, re- I have to admit, Pete, I remember... Um... Not even footage, you know, uh, little spy shots of her making their way yes. into Twitter, you know, the same day, the next day that was filmed and so forth. Me initially being like, no, that's not really Melissa McCarthy, really for Thor. And I'm like, wait, no, there's Taika Waititi. What? what is going on? And then needing to kind of understand um, that this was obviously the play within the play and and, and so forth. Um, Pete, maybe I'm a little salty on Melissa McCarthy. She was not very good to her Gilmore girls casting crew when they did their Netflix revival. She kind of was like, Huh, who me? I'm too big for this now. Um, b- but Pete, she certainly shines here in that play within a play. Again, maybe I'll just put a little little asterisk. Did we need as much of it as we got just because it was great last movie? You know, uh, and was that shown in sacrifice of other scenes? I guess we won't know because Taika Waititi doesn't do director's cuts. So I'll just say
1: it was fun. The way that they staged it with the low rent, you know, stage effects with the hammer and everything there. I thought it was pitch perfect. And I think it's, you know, uh, capped so well. By once the children uh you know being abducted to have damon out of costume and his co-stars here all right we we need to we need to go back into the writer's room uh exterior new asgard night that that was among my favorite scenes in the film
0: uh i also i got a chuckle maybe a meta level chuckle here with uh king valkyrie Now running, Pete. I I know the podcast doesn't have sponsors, so I'll just say, uh, you know, doing non-denominational deodorant ads, complete with jingle and so forth. And And the (laughs)
1: idea—can
0: we say it? Okay. Um, It. I found it funny within the world of the movie, funny that New Asgard, this place that's just barely hanging on to this, this you know most ancient of cosmic cultures, now has turned into a sort of land or a world where tourists can go to do the boat ride. And I was saying to myself, boy, those Nordic boats sure do look like the, the Frozen ride in Norway and Epcot. Well, of course they would, because it's from the same you know, base culture and so on and so forth. Then, Pete, there's the metal level of like, is Taika Waititi maybe making some sort of comment that like this movie's coming out the same year as the Guardians roller coaster and everything that's Disney eventually ends up You know, it's not just there because Oscar winner Taika Waititi wrote some words. It's, you know, it's the biz of showbiz.
1: I mean, that's culture. Uh, Post-Endgame to have the site where these Asgardians, you know, once the stuff of legend. And now, without a world of their own to settle down and to have Thor and Valkyrie and now Mighty Thor, uh, you know, put some kind of roots down there, I think really helps to move it forward. What I did not see coming was this idea that they would abduct the children, that Gore's plot was not as simple as Kill gods. Okay, I will kill uh, Thor now. But the long game to use obviously the uh, the hammer and the axe and the ability of the rainbow bridge to get where he needs for his true master plan.
0: Yeah, and that. That story is present there. I think there's the risk of it getting crowded out by some of the other elements in the story, but I think it's to a cre- to a credit of Christian Bale and to a credit of the writing that that is clear all the way through, um, even as we might get distracted by uh, the, the cute pluckiness of the children or more screaming goats or things of that sort.
1: To have Heimdall's son here who gets one name, but is using Axel, as in Axel Rose, with the importance and the prominence of uh, Guns N' Roses in the soundtrack. I mean, Matt, they were telling us all along in the advertising, Sweet Child O' oh Mine.
0: Uh, Pete, was it the choosing your own name thing, or was it the Valkyrie thing? Why the movie is not getting a release in China, because there's all this diversity? I don't know. All I know is it was, you know... A Thor story needs the Heimdall power, not always, not necessarily, but it feels like it's a comfortable place. And as we know, Heimdall uh, off to the, the great beyond and so forth. So to bring his son in, to have a sense of legacy and so forth, that was really uh, welcome there. Pete were, you know, there were all the other children. I know we had, you know, some children of Natalie Portman's, of Taika Waititi's, you've, you've already referenced the real-life uh, inclusion of uh, Chris Hemsworth's daughter. So a real a real family affair. Gee whiz, I sure hope during filming Taika Waititi doesn't have any pictures taken of him on a balcony. With, you know what, Pete? We won't even go there. Good family <laughs> moment here.
1: Well, I mean, I think this film permeates with his personality, okay? The cork stuff and... You know, the family aspect there of, you know, two Cronins over lava and, you know, making a rock child. Is that and, why
0: it's not getting released in China, Pete? <laughs> because when rock aliens hold hands over lava, and they, they're all, ma-
1: like, Pete's sake, Pete. I mean, like, just like uh, um, Doctor Strange before it with, uh, you know, an- another country turning their nose up, um, because of, you know, LGBTQ characters. Um, but I, again, I, I think the, the person making this work, I would argue Watiti, you know, look far more in demand than Sam Raimi, uh, doesn't have an Oscar, uh, uh Raimi doesn't. Okay, Um, getting ready to uh, work on a Star Wars film. Um, Interesting that uh, he forgot Natalie Portman had been in three Star Wars films. Um, But I think that's just his personality. I know, you know, like me, uh, you're a big fan of what we do in the shadows and and that coming back uh, tomorrow night. Um, And obviously his influence there. I have not yet started. The uh, the Pirate Show on HBO, uh, Our Name is Death. Um, definitely to get into that in the next couple of weeks. And that's been renewed for a second season. Um, the guy is a quirky, creative powerhouse right now. And this film, from the time that it was announced, was really his playground.
0: Yeah, and I think if if you want to lay the great successes of this movie at his feet. Absolutely. If you want to lay any of the the areas where it uh, comes up short, if you want to lay that at his feet as well, you know, it, it is what it is. This is the opposite. Um, this movie is the opposite of, let's say the Marvel run of five years ago or so. If you weren't, you know, the MCU run where if you weren't a Russo brother, then, and you're a director, your job is kind of to like, make the actors do the lines good. And then when you're done with that, you go away so they can ed- so the real people can edit and actually put the movie together. Um, this is clearly a Taika with TT joint and yes, help with other help from others and help from Kevin Feige. But this is far from the two directors of Captain Marvel being done with principal photography and then not having a role in post-production or editing. Um, again, this is a Taika with TD joint and, uh, Overall, I'm here for it. It's successful. Pete, take us to Omnipotent City, which is
1: both fun and difficult to say. I mean, there's a sequence that I can't possibly imagine in the hands of another director, okay? To have this goofy introduction of uh, Zeus with Russell Crowe and the Greek accent and the belly and then all these other gods and then the hilarity of all right, they gave it to you in the trailer. It's a moment I think you have to have in the trailer of flicking too hard and uh, you know, Hemsworth's uh, bits are are visible, but then to turn into another gold blood soaked battle there. Um, there's nobody else that I think, can handle this like Taika Waititi can.
0: And as for the role of this this most senior member of Goddom, A, you know, Russell Crowe, obviously super well-respected and so forth, born in New Zealand, grew up in Australia, movies filming in Australia, Russell Crowe, Oscar winner, Natalie Portman, Oscar winner, on the same night as Christian Bale won, Oscar winner. You know, there's, there's worse things than oh man, we're going to get Russell Crowe to, I don't want to say phone it in because I think he played the role exactly the way it was supposed to be, but this is far from, you know, that that 60 minutes hiding of cancer movie that he did or 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 that sort of thing. Like, this is not a nuanced role. Um, what it is is super funny when it needs to be funny and when he's distant and unsympathetic and ready to kind of, I'm going to have the quiet conversation, just you and me, because this is really serious. You buy it because you know what, Pete? It's Russell Crowe.
1: And come on, man. Zeus, all the stories of mythology, of, you know, taking another form and getting randy and here the overemphasis again of the orgy joke. Um, they all make it work. I mean, Matt, if I visit you in the year 2000 coming off Gladiator and tell you, hey, he's going to return to uh, this part of the world and play something similar in a Marvel movie uh, 22 years later, I doubt you're going to say it's going to be as a comic version of Zeus.
0: Yeah, and I mean, again, it's one of these things I'll I'll, – Enjoy the buffet and complain that there's too much food at the same time. You know, I watched the trailer, same as everybody else did. Would it have been nice to be like, okay, they're going to like the land where all the gods are. That's, that's great. Oh man, who can the most gaudy God of Zeus be? Oh, it's Russell Crowe. It's blown my mind. Okay. That was not the experience that I had because I watched the trailer. Um, it, it does all, it, it all just works. It works. That whole fight scene is fun. Pete, I love I love that Taika Waititi, uh particularly for action scenes, uses uh, bright lighting and vivid colors and keeps the camera from shaking too much because it's just a wonderful bit there where, you know, first it's him and then there's, you know, our, our, our heroes are joining in on the fight and whatnot. And I to admit, Pete, the notion of Zeus buying it, um, which is to say dying, I don't know that that was, I guess he doesn't really, I guess... Within the scene, it appears he is killed off. Um, that was a little bit of a twist and a turn.
1: Not characters proper, Matt. Uh, objects, obviously, with a little bit more going on. Certainly personified. Stormbreaker and Mjolnir. Uh Here, Stormbreaker, the, the spurred weapon, um, you know, stolen by Gore on his quest to reach eternity. I would argue
0: that take Taika Watiti and uh, cinematographer Barry Iodine's, uh, that their camera work makes um, Mjolnir and Stormbreaker characters. Uh, I would agree they're certainly not characters in the conventional sense, but, Look as as obvious as it was that like somebody put a prop on wheels and outside the camera there's a sweaty guy like pushing it forward or pulling it on a string or whatever like that that much was obvious, but within the frame stormbreaker has a has a knowing look, a confused look you know <laughs> it doesn't to, have eyes <laughs> but, but still the look is there like I, I i think there's 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 great and funny character work that's going on um and again, with this idea, I suppose it's around this point in the story where, uh, you know, as you say, Pete, Stormbreaker stolen the idea to get to eternity. I like that it becomes kind of a, a proper noun, eternity does, um, which, again, you're able to do in a Thor movie. You can't imagine Ant-Man going to eternity, probably. You certainly can't imagine Captain America or anything like that Um it's It's a bonker's idea, and it's made possible by the theft of sad eyed, no-eyed stormbreaker.
1: And then you bring in another weapon of the gods here, Zeus's thunderbolt, uh, that they had gone to uh, omnipotent city to try to get, um, and that Thor ultimately uses to power up the children. I mean the best bit of course is the little girl with the bunny um you know nod to jojo rabbit or just the silliness of it it works either way
0: Yeah I mean as does as does the whole kind of climax here with the kids fighting back and whatnot I think that if this again if this movie has a B plus cinema score which it does maybe that's what Taika Waititi was On a certain level, going for all along, Um, I would say, Pete, I was, I was surprised, knowing that from the comics, mysterious female mighty Thor, which I will say the comics do a slightly better job where it's like, this lady has just come out of the blue. What's up with that? We don't see who she is underneath the mask and all of that. And then I want to say it's something like eight or 10 issues in, which, you know, again, you can read pretty fast, uh, but if you're getting the monthly, you're, you know, you're, 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 you're several you know you're what eight months into this story who is this woman who's this woman when all of a sudden boom depowered. powered it's jane cancer-ridden powered up mighty thor um having that over length of time i thought was maybe a little bit better than just this movie and i get the limitations are what they are but i was not expecting jane uh to die uh, here from the cancer and, and the fact that she couldn't stay in mighty thor for him the whole time because of story reasons and so forth. Uh, a bold move, Pete.
1: I think to lure her back again, what what can we talk about, Natalie? What would you like to do in this movie? Um, but, you know, look at the trajectory of her career. And, you know, when she played this character, those other times, as you mentioned, she's reutilized in avengers endgame um but to revisit it here to make it different uh to go out i mean i don't really see them bringing her back um unless she wants to do more of it and they figure out a way they've really kind of you know it 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 felt a little uh you know if we're gonna talk natalie portman star wars it felt a little uh Han Solo, uh, The Force Awakens here.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we'll get to theories shortly. I guess maybe they have a trap door. I mean, I think we could all imagine how how she could return based on how the movie ends. But, you know, is that a line that you cross or not? I, I don't quite know. Me personally, I would have said, um, let's not kill her off now i don't know what the magic solution would then be so maybe there's an alternate reality uh where i'm complaining that they just did like oh and because the hammer energy eternity thing now there's no cancer and maybe i'd be complaining about that i don't know but um we know pete that at least for this mcu realm she is uh but no more
1: and then to have her death lead to gore figuring it out and then using his wish from eternity not to vanquish all gods but instead to bring his daughter back and to hand her over to thor i think was particularly touching and really winds up casting his character gore and thor in new lights
0: I would agree. I'd say it's a very new light. And I would further say just because you ask Chris Hemsworth to look into a baby store window or whatever the exact scene was, just because you do that in the first act does not mean that you have, in my opinion, set up like Daddy Thor in the final scenes of this movie. Maybe somewhere in the four-hour cut, there's more where he's like there, – there's more to it and maybe again – there's a slight overstuffed feeling, in my opinion, uh, to this uh, two-hour movie. Um, and I know some people were surprised, like, hey, you, the Marvel average is 215. Like, you couldn't give us a little bit more? Again, Taika Waititi and others said no. Um, but me, I feel like there could have been a little bit more work in that arena so that it was like, well, of course Thor is going to say yes, because he has this want, as opposed to, He looked through a window and then looked at Jane, and that was part of a montage to get us up to speed in the last 10 years.
1: I'm not going to rehash the body image and some people felt, and I I think they, you know, made a case for the body shaming that went on with Thor in Avengers Endgame. And they resolve that at the beginning of this film, but I just come back to the to the lines there narrated by Korg. You know, he went from dad bod to god bod, and now the god's a dad.
0: Yeah, I think. Look, is the movie perhaps arguing for uh, making healthy choices? Absolutely. Though I think more to your point, Pete, if that was maybe another point where they thought they were setting up the dad ending because they said dad in the very beginning, I would again say, okay, true bridges do have the, the, that end and the, that end, maybe somewhere in the middle, we could build some bridge too.
1: Well, at the middle of the credits, we've got, uh, the appearance of Hercules played by Ted Lasso's Brett Goldstein. And again, a super comic accurate depiction
0: yes the the emmy award-winning brett goldstein there what with the growly voice and all pete you'll never guess when he was on sesame street in the last six months uh to bring awareness to you know they'll, they'll do little bits or it's you know it's brought to you by certain letters and numbers you'll never guess what letter he was uh he was talking about on sesame street h the letter f It's a really funny bit. It's worth looking up because if you know him, like even in his Emmy award winning speech, they're bleeping him, this, that, the other, like that's the character, that's the actor and so forth. Um, Again, and this is now not me complaining about Taika Waititi's overstuffed movie in the spirit of every Marvel movie is like, and now on to the next thing and so forth. Okay, I guess I'm interested to see more with Hercules when more is done with this in... When? Like, you know, in three years, in four years, in five years, I'll enjoy it. I'll enjoy me some Brett Goldstein dressed as uh, as Hercules and so forth, and the growly voice, and he looked all muscular and all that. that that's all well and good, but part of, I think, the whole Phase 4 notion of the, the theme of Phase 4 is all things are new, and new characters, and new growth, and so forth. Part of it is yeah, and meanwhile, Ms. Marvel, if you tease Hercules this week, I'm expecting more Hercules next week or that kind of thing. But these are good problems to have.
1: And then I found it a particularly touching scene. I think it's the nature of it. You go to Valhalla here. You show Jane. You show Heimdall. They're together now. Can they return? Will they return like Thor will return? Remains to be seen. But I think they're in play if they want to come back certainly i think just as i don't
0: think we take a thor movie as seriously as um let's say for example how uh um falcon winter soldier looked at issue you know looked at mcu issues and and real world issues of race and so forth i think there's more play in a thor ending that says actually they're there in heaven and we can pluck them out there anytime we want by way of genesis device or a time machine or whatever we need we can go get them if we need to um i will say this pete on the way out of the movie theater after i said goodbye to you there were some there were some young young toughs some 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 fellows saying oh jane foster i can't believe they brought her back just to kill her off so Pete, if the dude bros in the world seeing Thor on a Thursday night want more Jane Foster,
1: uh, let it be so. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. The Marquis here, Gore, the God Butcher, and uh, Bale, you mentioned at the top here, you know, becoming a character actor at this midpoint of his career, I was worried it was gonna come across as too much of a of a comic book uh, villain, too kitschy, and I think from his introduction, they sell you on the motivation, uh, the tragedy of it, and to have the through line with the daughter. Um, I think only Christian Bale could have played this role.
0: Yeah, I could not take my eyes off of him and his performance, again, for as wacky as Thor stuff is, and for as much as I just got done saying, like, ah, you killed off some really beloved characters in the last two, you know, outings in Heimdall, you know, in Endgame, and now, now, you know, Jane, ah, you know, bring him back because magic, whatever. It's Christian Bale that ties this movie down and makes it serious. It's the, the pathos on his face, the way he's using not just the makeup, but the creases that that his probably it was 46, 47 at the time they were shooting this. You know, he's 48 now, the creases on his face that time has brought and the way the makeup interacts and the whole thing really is what underpins the entire, you know, rest of the wackiness of the movie.
1: With what Jane goes through with cancer and the jokes they play it for early on, you know, Darcy's talking to her about, well, this is the universe telling you to slow down. Well, wait, it's stage four of four that we know of. And then to ultimately have the fix in Molnir being the thing that brings her closer to death instead of further away from it um it was there the whole time what was going to happen to her again a storyline pulled from the comics um it's a real antagonist in this film
0: it is and you know now I'll swing towards crediting Taika Waititi here I imagine that someone must have said hey you have some of these like They're not joke jokes. We have some of these jokes about the cancer. Can we get away with that? I just imagine him taking out his Oscar for Jojo Rabbit, you know, (laughs) the movie that takes place in Nazi Germany that has legit funny moments while being incredibly serious. Um, Him just saying, no, I got this. Like, no, we won't be doing any any edits today. Thank you very much. We got it. The four out of four that we know of, we're going to stick with that. Thank you very much. Um, Because again, that too helps helps um, restrain in the best sense possible helps restrain the wackiness in this movie because that too is a, is a very serious topic.
1: The antagonists. We never really got identity or anything like that. Uh, these fuzzy puppets that the Asgardians of the galaxy fight, you know, much has been made. I mentioned before that what is writing, Directing a Star Wars film, um, that he will not go the legacy route. You know, the quote a couple of weeks ago was I'm not going to bring in Chewbacca's grandmother. Um, I want just a crazy, so out there, maybe even nothing but alien Star Wars movie. And this kind of stuff that he does in this sequence, I think would fit perfectly. Yeah, I would agree. His talent, I don't want
0: to say, I mean, on the one hand, it is very singular. I think it is also tied to, you know, a very Kiwi sense of humor. Um, But he has it in the right mix. I mean, you had referenced, um, uh, I think at the top, Pete, the the show Our Flag Means Death. I have not finished that first season, but I kind of keep going back to it because it's just got this... It's both engaging character stuff and also incredibly dumb. Um, And it's supposed to be since it's a comedy. So I think just that he he really knows how to dial in this mix of what is silly and unimportant and then what is silly and important and what is serious and important.
1: And then Zeus here, Russell Crowe first played for the laughs and then the second part of the character's identity that all right, you know, you're not going to take my thunderbolt and though you did all right. I, I feel a lot of echoes between this film and guardians volume two, both in the way they set up in the post-credit scenes, an antagonist, um, obviously with James Gunn and everything that went on shortly after uh, Guardians Volume 2 and him losing uh, a spot in the MCU and then DC being all too happy to have him come in and not just make their best film um, in the Suicide Squad. And then a really, really fun spinoff series in Peacemaker and then have him, oh, We'll we'll bring him back. Time served. And the cast came forward and said what a great guy he is. The letter writing campaign, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, You know, apologies have been made. We'll bring him back to to go through this entire route that Adam Warlock was set up in 2017 and would have appeared by now. Would it have been an endgame as that's part of the infinity saga in the comics we'll never know um probably not but now to have zeus set up hercules and where he'll slide in and the importance there but uh you know much like the sovereign um you know serving that same purpose and also a lot of gold
0: Again, I'll return to, you know, uh, to get Russell Crowe, I think, on on the one hand, oh, man, New Zealand director goes to Australia to make a movie. Of course, you get Russell Crowe. The flip side is this is the perfect role for him because it's not just the bloviating Zeus. It's also, you know, he's the main villain for a short period, but an important period of the movie nonetheless. Um, And, you know... (laughs) You go out and get Russell Crowe to make those scenes be easy, not to be fighting against uh, the, the talents of a lesser actor.
1: Well, our Zeus, Matt, are those gods that get themselves over to Patreon.com slash Geek. Indeed,
0: Pete. Uh, we don't ask for all the gold of Zeus's uh, expansive chest plate there. Uh, and we're certainly so appreciative to have little contributions made by uh, our most fervent listeners uh, each month. Certainly keeps the uh, keeps the lights on. And we promise, Pete, there's no none of that stuff goes towards grapes nor uh, <laughs> other things that Zeus maybe mentioned. Use it all responsibly there. So our thanks, as always, for those who go to patreoncom fantasticgeek slash Fantastic
1: Geek. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, all sorts of levels to pick from, can't contribute this month. Get over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating in seconds, a review in just a little while longer helps us just as much. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Hey, Matt do we know the last Marvel studios movie that did not carry a trailer for the next is, is my memory right in Avengers and is Black Panther Wakanda forever in trouble for November?
0: I know that the, the the second point there is something that you have wondered here and there. And I, in the days, in the weeks, in the months leading up to seeing Thor, I was saying, no, surely our first view is going to be for Thor Love and Thunder. Surely there's going to be a trailer, it, you know, maybe a, a secret scene. If it fits the story, if not, that's fine, too. Then in the last month, some of the um, uh, merchandising character sketches or something started to come out. I said, oh, here we're starting to get the uptick. And then nothing no trailer, no this, no that. In fact, when you mentioned it, maybe right when the movie was beginning, you said no Black Panther trailer. It kind of occurred to me. Um, we all, you know, there hadn't. You know, here we are. We're at a 9 p.m. show. There has been hours and hours and hours where people could have seen a trailer and it could have been. Here's my smuggled footage. Here's my whatever. Um, I think it is a legit question to wonder: Will Marvel be able to deliver Black Panther, uh, Wakanda forever? Uh, on the date of November eleventh twenty twenty two um obviously no one is hoping for that, but it's awful strange that there's not any kind of um marketing discussion to get re- people ready for that movie.
1: We now have a precedent for how soon the first teaser for a Marvel movie can come you know to the film itself. I mean, the, the Thor teaser, that became an internet meme of where is it, where is it? So could they be taking that approach with black Panther? They certainly could, um, between the tragedy of the death of Chadwick Boseman and then the injury and intrigue into, uh, Letitia, Wright. Um, you know, uh, pretty passionately anti-vaccine. Um, it's interesting that, you know, I, I've seen the same sketches you have and that's it, that's it. Um, but it just, it, it, it didn't dull this experience, but it, you know, by its absence was conspicuous.
0: Certainly one to watch, you know, as we talk about many times before pete you know it's show business we want nothing but the best black panther sequel possible um but there are there are business concerns like will it be delivered on time and and some of the particulars behind it so certainly time will tell on that and uh you know whether you're listening on the marvel movie feed or the pop culture podcast feed we'll we'll keep everyone aware you know we have what san diego comic con later this month there is d23 in september i would have to imagine in one of those two that's when you get either your first trailer or the announcement that for really great reasons, they're changing the schedule.
1: When will Thor return? I can't help, but think of Loki season two filming right now being a great spot. I would agree.
0: Asterisk Hemsworth gave an interview in the last uh, month or so where I think it was like, you know, one of these career retrospectives that, some YouTube of a magazine does. I don't remember who it is uh, offhand, but um, he was talking about Thor in the past tense. He was keeping the door open in the future. It certainly gave me the impression that his contract is up. And if he's going to give a slightly sad smile and say, if this is the last one, then it's been an amazing run that started all the way back with a terrible interview when I was, you know, 20 three and you know blah, 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 that kind of thing you know, if he's playing hardball then he might be playing hardball that's his ability to do and go get every last dollar you want from the mouse etc but um there could be scenarios where where this is end of the road and i don't know that it's a foregone conclusion that he has automatically re-upped a new contract that gives tv movie flexibility and he can bop from this to that to the other i don't think we're there yet
1: Well, why does the film carry a card that says Thor will return?
0: Uh, I mean, look, Disney can put whatever text it wants on the screen, Pete. Maybe it's Thor, the mighty Thor. Maybe it's the next person to carry the mantle of Thor, as Kid Thor, Axel Thor. You know, like I think, just because it says that does not necessarily mean they're ready to go to be filming tomorrow. That said, Pete, probably tomorrow is when footage. Uh, spills onto uh, Twitter of it's Chris Hemsworth on the set of Loki too, and uh, I'll just be wrong and, and you know what Pete I will be happy to be wrong on that point
1: we only get Meek in the one scene is Meek female the the outfit uh, decidedly female
0: uh, you know what Pete I will take more Meek any way they want to give us Meek okay I applaud meek for dressing however meek wants to whether it is any sort of earth normative fashions or um as guardian normative or you know from the the third moon on the left or whatever um i just say you know what for four thor five let's have more meek
1: <laughs> and when and how does hercules factor in here um Will Poehler is cast as Adam Warlock for Guardians Volume 3. That'll be six years, albeit with the James Gunn, uh, you know, uh, jail time that he did over for the rival comic company making uh, a a hit movie uh, commercially and critically and then a hit show.
0: I feel like I don't have a sense of their future timeline anymore. And I get that that is a feature of phase four. So for all the complaining out there, like what's phase four about what's the end game, no pun intended of phase four. The answer is it's to add a bunch of stuff. It's to grow things back or or, or to, to, to grow more. Um, that said, you know, I I am slightly irked. You know, oh, man, it's Brett Goldstein, Emmy winner as as uh, Hercules. And I, shoot, if I know when he's going to show up, Pete, if it's maybe it's in one of these other properties. And if so, that's cool. If it's to set up a really fun idea for the uncontracted, unwritten, un, the filming date not made and so forth for Thor 5. Eh, OK, then in three years or something, I guess, is when we get more of that. Again, it's weird to watch these shows on Disney Plus and go, hey, we're going to get more next week or we're going to get more in a couple of years or whatever it might be. We're kind of in a we're in a we're in a weird in-between place.
1: Let's check the wire.
0: Pete. We go to Twitter uh, and people were able to rate uh, in a modified four, three, two, one poll, uh, what people thought about this modest Aussie Kiwi collabo, uh Pete, <laughs> the lowest one. Pete, maybe this was me being a little cranky. I don't know. One star. Look, Guardians. Nope. Got 0%. Uh, two Boats. New Asgard's Touristy. Got 7.9%. Uh, three Muscle Flexes. Mighty. Got 39.5%. And then uh, Two Hearts and Two lightnings which is to say love and thunder uh, got 52.6 percent. so uh in between a three and a four kind of like that b plus cinema score Pete's and replies on twitter from bike brh that's at bike brh on twitter i enjoyed it quite a bit but it has to lose a point for the ending not making a lot of sense i put it at upper t upper mid-level mcu it's better than most but not the top tier three stars Next up from David Siller. That's at Siller David Poet. Thor Love and Thunder was a great romp and entertaining from beginning to end. The Guardians of the Galaxy appearance was a blast. I love the rom-com montage for Thor slash Jane, but I wish we'd had a little bit more of her being called to New Asgard. Without a build-up, it lacked oomph. The credit scenes were a bit underwhelming. But that might just be me wanting a little more fuel for the MCU fire. Uh, or pardon me, for the fire that the MCU is building at the moment. I'm a patient fan, but I want something to chew on. Hurry up, Black Panther trailer, and November. Next, Spider-Ham Lincoln, Tess LC-139. It was really good, but I don't think it beats Ragnarok for sheer enjoyability. The Korg narrative to bookend the story was nice. Great to see Natalie Portman again. I wanted just a little bit more Guardians of the Galaxy, a scene showing Jane picking up Mjolnir for the first time, more of gore on a god-killing spree, and a little less of Korg's face. And what's a Thor movie without Loki? A brief mid credit scene of him and Mobius would have sufficed. That's a good pitch. That's a really good pitch. Anyway, it's a fun time. The Son of Zeus is a great addition to the MCU. Uh, Sorry, at Kevin Sorbo, you has been. uh, Pete, those are Spider-Ham Lincoln's words, not mine. Although (laughs) uh, the views of Kevin Sorbo are not uh, always held by the people of this podcast. We hear from Noel Gardner, at Noel Camille. Great film. A little rushed in the beginning hit its stride for the second half taika is a madman in all the best ways gore was top notch for me the best cameo was roommate daryl yes from the at work stuff there he was one of the tour guides in asgard mm-hmm. uh, all the avengers should get kids the chaos would drive away any villain and lmd marriott's at geek kirk replied and said i screamed when i saw daryl
1: I screamed when I was looking through Disney plus recently and they have all those one shots now. So definitely bang for their buck value added and uh, to reach for this cameo really works. We hear from Ben Larson. That's at Larson, Ben, not as good as
0: Ragnarok, but still a very good movie. We needed more gore and I wish we'd seen him killing some gods and not just get told what he did after. The first half of the movie oddly felt like it rushed and dragged at the same time, but the second half was amazing. Uh, more from LMD Mary. It's at Guy Kirk. It was great fun. I do love me. A taika, good time. But I only gave it a mighty because I did miss a little more downtime to really feel some of the emotional beats. I do love me, an MCU movie with all the feels, but my sister says it's her fave of all MCU movies. That is the best thing about how the MCU... Uh, Not every movie is going to be everyone's fave, but it will be someone's fave. Like most folks love the first Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it's fine, shrug, but volume two, man, do I love that one. Way up there for me. So I'm perfectly okay with Love and Thunder being fun and fine and not my fave of all time. I still enjoyed the heck out of it, and we'll be going back to see it again with a friend who couldn't make it opening night. Uh, Next, we hear from Jordan Tanner at Mighty underscore Jor. Well timed there. I loved it. Christian Bale as gore was frightening and tragic. Thor and Jane's reunion was heartwarming. I thought they did justice to Jane's mighty Thor. I was happy to see Thor with Mjolnir again at the end. Uh, We hear from AMC that's at Anne Coltenham. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder was just a fab movie. You had to only sit and enjoy the ride. It's a lighthearted movie with plenty of jokes and great action scenes. The visual imagery was vibrant and had a brilliant soundtrack. Looking forward to listening to the podcast. There you go. Penultimately, Pete, we hear from Drive by Wrestling Pod. That's at Drive by Pod. I've seen the haters and I just don't get it. What more could you ask for in a post-Ragnarok movie? It was a blast. Not liking this is a simple way of saying you don't like to have fun. I give it five screaming goats. (laughs) <laughs> in retrospect, that's how I should have done it Why my five?
1: bad.
0: <laughs> uh and last Pete, uh Summer of the Witch it's at Ameriwitch says in reply to the poll I posted. Uh I'm seeing it in 23 hours and 20 minutes. So hopefully it, uh, I would say Pete, hopefully it was an enjoyable outing. I
1: hope you enjoyed it as well.
0: Pete, as we look ahead into the future of the MCU, the next movie, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, um, how can people be in touch with you to talk about the MCU films?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Peter P I E T E R J K L R K E T E L A A R 12631 Followers Can't Be Wrong.
0: And while I'm personally on Twitter is looking back lost, do be in touch with the podcast, comment on dot Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But we Pete, there's more
1: facebook.com slash fantastic geek with a ph all one word like it today
0: pete as i said as there's further mcu news coming out of san diego comic-con and or uh, d23 will update the marvel movie feed meanwhile on the pop culture podcast feed talking ms marvel and star trek exchanger worlds this upcoming weekend for now i will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word
1: this ends here and now (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.